different. Always since I got saved, and I don't know who taught me, I've always been in four different areas of the Bible. So right now, I do a Psalms, a Proverbs. I'm in 1 Kings in the Old Testament, and I'm in Luke in the New Testament. So that's where I'm at. I've always done it like that, and I love it. Um, one little tidbit, she asked us to give you something that maybe the Lord has placed in our hearts. And um, if I were to give you anything today, it would be Nehemiah 8.10. It says, do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if the joy of the Lord is your strength, what's the opposite? You know, think about that. So the opposite of joy is sorrow. He says, do not sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The opposite would be sorrow, misery, and despair. So keep that in mind. If you're going through anything at all, you know, pray, 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 pray for the joy of the Lord. Because that's going to be your strength. Hello, ladies. My name is Amanda. I am married to Zach Vasquez, who's senior pastor at Calvary Chapel, Miami. I have uh, three amazing children that I am obsessed with at the moment. Um, and right now in my devos, I'm going through the year, uh, one year plan that we're doing with the church. So I am in Hebrews, I am in Ezekiel, uh, and then a psalm and a proverb a day. And it's been a huge blessing, really sweet, especially Hebrews, so much there. And one spiritual tip, I was, I was trying to think practical. Uh, this was something that... Uh, I don't know of any Christian that's like, my prayer life is amazing and I have no need for improvement. I've never met that Christian. I know I'm not that Christian. I always have uh, room to grow as far as my prayer life. But actually a verse that uh, Bev shared, you know, pray without ceasing. I just thought, Lord, how does that work? And I have found uh, in the last couple of years that... I don't know if you're like me, that you have conversations with yourself in your head all the time. And there's, con there's this constant monologue happening in my head. And I have found that the quicker I can turn that into, no, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about this. This is going to become a dialogue. Um, the better I am at not allowing my thought life to wander while also praying. That, that is a way that I have found I can pray without ceasing. So in a moment when I'm, you know, in the car and my mind starts to wander or I'm in, um, you know, just with my kids and my mind, I, I find myself just, I have to stop and say, Lord, I might as well talk to you about this situation. I might as well. So I begin to change that into a prayer when I'm having a conversation with someone and I'm struggling to know what do I even say right now? Or I'm not, are they telling me the truth? Instead of having a conversation with myself, I do my best. I don't always do it perfectly, but it's been a great way for me to learn how to have that dialogue with Jesus all day long. Hello, I'm Beverly. I already told you who I was, but I didn't ever tell you that I got saved when I was eight years old at a Billy Graham crusade. So that's kind of cool. Um, I walked down to Just As I Am. I went crying. Um, and Trisha was the name of the girl who prayed with me and gave me my little Bible. I'll never forget her. Um, but, oh, right now, so I read straight through the Bible in order for my daily reading and devotional. And right now, I just happen to be in Psalms, Psalms 1 in particular, as so we just switched to Psalms. Um, and uh, I love it. 
because um, I get to read the Bible in context as a whole, and then I'm forced to reckon with those things that are difficult. Um, <laughs> Um, and a tidbit somebody gave me when I was at Bible college, and we had always been taught, and I believe this is the best way, we had always been taught, you know, get up early in the morning, spend your quiet time with the Lord, start your day before your feet hit the ground, you know, be in the word. And I believe that that is the best way. So when I say this next tip to you, it's not permission to not do that if um, the Lord has absolutely told you you should. But... Um, what I didn't know at the time because I was only 20 is that, you know, you get older, you have children, your life is chaos sometimes. Sometimes you can't even get up because you're so tired or, you know, maybe you're ill, things like that. And what she said was, we all asked her, what do you do for your devotion? And she said, well, I don't really have a set devotion. And we all, you know, what? And she said she leaves her Bible open on her kitchen table. And that way, throughout her day, as she's spending you know, running around with the kids or whatever, um, whenever she sits down there it is and she would read it because her philosophy was something is better than nothing. And that's kind of my little tip for you is something is better than nothing. Um, it wasn't meant to be ritual where you do it and if you don't do it, then that's it. Your whole day is over and you can't walk with the Lord. If you don't do it in the morning, do it at some point and get in the word, even if it's just the tiniest little bit because his word's alive and it always, it never returns void. It always does exactly what he wants it to do in your life. So make sure that you do not neglect spending time with the Lord. Amen. I feel that that covers all of our questions <laughs> that we're about to go into. Um, you guys already know who I am. And what I'm doing in my devotional right now is the Bible reading plan, but only the Psalm, Proverbs, and New Testament parts. So uh, last year's reading plan, I was a little behind on the Old Testament reading. So I started this year just continuing through the Old Testament. Um, so that's been really sweet to go through, as Amanda was saying, Hebrews and the Psalms and the Proverbs. One... Um, just life lesson when it comes to our spiritual walk that I would desire for all of us is to be content in the fact that your identity is hidden in Christ. Um, there's something about when people ask or when you're wondering, who am I? What am I supposed to do? What's going on? If you can just purpose to go to the Lord as your source of identity, he's got it. I love that verse in Colossians that says, for you have died and your life is hidden in Christ. God loves you so much that he said, I'm going to take the hold of who you are, and I'm going to hide it in the safest place possible, my son. So if you're ever wondering or feeling lost or not sure, why am I here? Who am I? What's going on? Just remember whose you are, and, and you'll be okay. Um, so with that, we're going to jump into our first question, where it says, what are some ways to build a strong relationship with God? So... Any advice you might have on how to study the Bible, I think it's a good transition again. How do we build a strong relationship with God so that we can also help our kids build a strong relationship with God? Um, I would say, I think this is a mom asking, you know, how do I build a strong relationship with the Lord where I can affect my kids? This is kind of like how I read it. And I would say to her, um, you know, build on your marriage. If you have a solid marriage and you honor your, your husband and you guys 
are seeking the Lord together, that's the best you could do for your children. You know, that trickle, that loving marriage, that loving uh, testimony of loving God, that will trickle down to your children, and that's the best thing you could do. You know, these kids are going to grow up looking at you and, and saying, you know, they're not a hypocrite when it comes to going to church or loving the Lord. So I, I, that's what I would do, and I think that's what um, I would advise everyone. You know, focus on your marriage. Uh, if you're a single mom, you're married to the Lord. You know, focus on that marriage to the Lord and your relationship with the Lord, and that will trickle down to your kids. There's really nothing you could do better than that. Then just love your husband and love the Lord with all your heart. And I think that testimony is powerful. I think, too, thinking of the, the stage of life that I'm in with little ones, um, in my head there was this picture of, like, get up early, get your devos done before the kids get up because then you'll be so holy and it'll be so much better for you. And if, But I just, I'm, I'm not up always before them. Sometimes they wake me up. But I have found that when I, you know, when I just decide to do my devotions, you know, kind of like what Bev was talking about, and let my kids see me do my devotions. Often we think, oh no, I've got to be, and, it's, and it is true, there is a closet, there is a quiet place, and if and when, grab those moments. But if there's a day where those moments can't be had, let your kids watch you walk with Jesus. Let them see you with your Bible open and they're going to need something and you're going to put it down and you're going to meet that need and you're going to come right back and open that word and allow them to watch you reading your word. Um, I think teaching them what it is to rely on the Lord when they fall and they scrape their knee, let's pray right now. And, and you watch them then all of a sudden respond like that naturally. You know, and if, you're, if your child is older or they're a teen, that doesn't mean you can't do that. If they're coming with an issue with their friends, you know what, let's stop and pray right now. And teaching them those disciplines of running to the Lord in every moment. And if they, as they watch you do that, um, kids, will, kids will model that. Okay. Uh, what are some ways to help your child develop a deeper understanding of God's love and grace. So as they're growing in their relationship with God, any advice on how they can better understand God's love and grace? That is a long answer. I'm going to try to be short. Um, to help them understand love and grace, you have to show them love and grace. Um, as parents, we can often react to the things our children do um, in ways that God does not react to us. So if we remember um, the story of Moses hitting the rock, right? What was he told to do? He was told to speak to the rock. Instead, he hit it, giving the children of God the impression that he was angry with them for being thirsty and needing water. And I, I laugh at that because there are so many times that my children would come to me, I'm thirsty. And I would say, really? That's fascinating. <laughs> Isn't that awful? 
because I wanted them to ask me instead of manipulating me into giving them water, right? I'm hungry. Oh, that must be awful. Terrible, right? God would never do that to me. Now you're knowing God knows me and loves me anyway. <laughs> but, you know, part of the ways that we show them, that we help them to grow in love and to grace and grace is by showing them representing the Lord properly to them in the way we speak to them and the way we train them up when they come to us with behaviors that are inappropriate or frustrating, um, maddening even sometimes, you know, because you get, you feel that rise up. Why are they doing that? You know, God never, ever does that. He's not surprised. He expects us to. They're children. They need parents for a reason. So our job is to remain calm and to ask ourselves, okay, Lord, how would you respond to this if I did that to you? And then try to respond to them in that way. Not exactly the same because you're a parent and you do have to have guidelines and rules and all of those things. Um, and certain things can't be allowed. But I think that's part of how we have tried in our home to show that to them. You know, that way they get the right impression of who their Heavenly Father is. So. I think sometimes, too, we forget that discipline is loving grace. Yes. Um, so I love what Bev was saying about responding, not reacting. And when we're able to respond biblically to our children, to a situation, to something that's uncomfortable at work, and it's like, how do I show love and grace when someone's not treating me properly or, or just not behaving the right way? Sometimes I, I think it's my job to tell the whole world how they're supposed to behave. <laughs> like, wait, maybe they just didn't know they're not supposed to do that. <laughs> um, but that, again, what is the Lord calling us to do? But at times, as parents, we need to remember that God disciplines those whom he loves. So the way we discipline can also be a big way of showing God's love and his grace. And sometimes allowing the consequences to fully play out in their lives is the most gracious, loving thing a parent can do because it's going to spare them from future despair and heartache. So don't think if, man, I'm always disciplining my kids. I just want to show them love and grace. It's like you, you are. Through that discipline, you can be loving and gracious. I would just add, um, you know, it all, it, I mean, disciplining your kids, it, it depends on what stage, what age they are, but I think that a lot of times the enemy rips us off by thinking that we don't have the right mm -hmm. to be a parent, or we don't have the right to discipline them once they get to a certain age, you know, like we're, we're okay with the little ones, we could tell them what to do or whatever, but then once they become adults, and I think that is a, a ripoff from the enemy. I think that, um, you know, you can, I, I, we, I was telling the girls last week, we, I, we, my husband and I were having a conversation with our son and we were telling him, but, and he's 40 and he, and we were telling him, you know, we were giving him advice and, and he, he, he still gets to hear from us. You know, we, we still have the right and we will have the right to be his parents for the rest of our lives. It's not like they get to a certain age and we say, oh, forget it, you know. And I was telling him when he was a teenager backsliding, no, actually he was in his 20s backsliding, I mean, doing crazy stuff. And I would sit there and I would tell him, 
You know, you, you, Jose, you know, what are you doing? Uh, what are you doing with this girl? I've been praying for you since I, you, I got saved that you would marry a godly girl. And what are you doing with this girl? And it seemed to me like it was going in one ear and coming out the other. Well, years later, when he rededicated his life to the Lord, he came one day and he goes, Mom, I just want to thank you because when you thought that I wasn't listening, I was listening to everything you were saying. And I knew in my heart that you were giving me wise advice. So, you know, never give up on that right to parent your kid. It doesn't matter how old they are. Um, again, be wise, be godly, never give up. I think that uh, answers a perfect transition to our next question where it says, as a parent, I know I can't guarantee my child will walk with Jesus all their days, but I also know it's my duty to raise them in Christ. I wrestle with wondering where the line is drawn between my responsibility and theirs. I know I just need to do my best in his strength, but how do I know I'm doing enough today for God to say, well done, even if my child chooses a prodigal life? Is that even possible? So I think this is just speaking to how do we parent? How do we make sure that we are doing enough? Is there a line of responsibility if my child were to choose a prodigal life? Kind of how would that be addressed? Amanda, I don't know if you want to start us off. Yeah, well, I, in listening to the question, you know, getting to hear well done, the, the following line of that is not well done, your kids are not prodigals. It's not well done, you are successful. It's well done, good, and faithful servant. And all he asks of us is faithfulness. And I was listening to Pastor Joe Foch talk about how at the end of the day, God is the father of their spirits. We do not have control. Moms, we don't have control over their salvation. And that is so humbling and sobering and scary but freeing, right? We don't have to save them. We're not supposed to save them. We're not meant to save them. What we are steward over in the time that the Lord gives us our kids is we're steward over, especially when they're in our homes. And I'm not going to put an age on that. If they are in your homes, um, we have steward over them physically, over what they do, over the way that they behave. And I tell my kids all the time, I can't force you to do something out of a heart of love, but you're going to obey. And my prayer is that eventually that obedience will be from a heart of love. Whether I know that or not, I can't see that. I am not, I am not the mom of your spirit, but I, I will de demand obedience for the time. I will demand that there is, um, that you live righteously and whether it's in your heart or not, right? Because the, the Pharisees, their hearts were not right. But I can't control their little hearts. All I know, all I can do is demand that obedience and then be on my knees praying and asking the Lord, Lord, may their little hearts follow, um, may, that, may the love follow that obedience. And it's the same thing for so many of our disciplines, ladies. Let's be honest exercise, right? There's how many times do we were like, it's out of a heart of love that I exercise. No, sometimes it's just a discipline that I need to have. And 
you know, if my children end up wanting to walk away from the Lord after they're out, out of my house, and it's a Sunday morning, in their little heads, or bigger heads once they get that older, they're going to know Sunday morning, I'm supposed to be at church, because that is what my mom instilled in me. And when they rebel against that, they know exactly what they're rebelling against. So don't put the pressure on yourself, because it is not up to you to save your children. Then we wouldn't need Jesus but you can demand that obedience and that character building in them. Oh, no. I think that that was perfect answer to that. You know, um, I do have older ones and, and um, you know, that all of what she said is true. You, you discipline them, you train them, you teach them, you expect obedience from them. You know, I understand they're not always going to obey from a happy heart. You know, I don't obey. The nature of the word obedience is because I don't want to, right? Otherwise, obedience isn't necessary. Um, submission isn't necessary, um, you know, to, the, to, the, to things of God. But you pray that they would one day make it their own. Let, you know, pray that they would see all these things, that they would see it in action in their home, that they would see mom and dad loving each other, loving the Lord, going to church, serving the Lord, loving other people, that they would see that Jesus is real because of the way you live your life in front of them. That is one of the biggest safeguards for your children is having a godly home. Maybe you have a husband who's not walking with the Lord. You can't control what he does with and for and in front of your children, but you can control what you do and how you react. Your reaction to your husband as well, um, when, he, when he's not obeying the Lord, um, the Bible instructs wives what to do. Is it first Peter or second Peter? I always get it wrong. I'm not good with addresses, but tells us, you know, to, with a quiet and gentle spirit that we're to serve our husbands, to love our husbands without the word, without our words, so that they may be won over by the Lord. You know, I know that's heartbreaking for a lot of mothers who have unbelieving husbands or husbands who just aren't walking with the Lord. But I was telling some ladies earlier that, you know, speaking to the, you know, how much is my responsibility? Your responsibility is your responsibility before the Lord, and as far as a mother with your children. But keep in mind that you can do all the right things. You can do everything, and, and, and just you know that, Lord, I've done what you've asked me to do. And they can still walk away. They can still make choices. Adam and Eve are a perfect example of this because they had a perfect father. They had a perfect situation. They had no hardship. They had a perfect fellowship with the father, yet they still chose the wrong way. So. I love that focus from all the answers of just we need to do what we're called to do. The, the line of where their responsibility begins isn't so much what I have to be consumed with as much as, Lord, what are you calling me to do? And I think that's key to any relationship, right? Sometimes the questions that we think of in Q&A um, are like, how can I get my husband to do this? How can I get my kid to do this? How can I get my coworker to stop doing this, you know? Um, my sibling, my friend, how can I get them to? And, and the Lord, time and time again, when it comes to relationships, reminds us, forget about them. You do what I'm calling you to do. Don't be so 
you know, obsessed with the fruit and the result and what's going to happen and I need this specific outcome. No, be faithful, be diligent, be um, about what the Lord is calling you to do, right? If, if you are not being submissive to your husband, it's hard to expect your kids to be submissive to you. Um, you know, if you are not being a good example at work and, you know, treating people fairly and kindly and being that light, it's, it's going to be hard for people to give you grace and to be understanding. So ask the Lord, how can I love this person? How can I be faithful to obey you in my relationship to this person? And when we are about those things that we are actually responsible for and can control, the Lord takes care of other people's hearts and lives. Um, the next few questions have to do with anxiety. Um, we had several questions on friendships at church as well, and some ladies feeling that their anxiety, their introvertedness is keeping them from having meaningful friendships at church. And then uh, we had other questions regarding just helping family members, you know, kids, uh, ourselves overcome anxiety. So the first question in the set of questions that I think we should tackle is just any verses. So let's first go to what the word of God says. What are some verses that can help us with this area of anxiety, either for ourselves or maybe if you're ministering to someone that uh, struggles with this? Oh, my go-to is Philippians. Um, wow, it just left my mind, Lord, lady. Lord. Thank you. <gasps> <laughs> Four, six through eight. So be anxious for nothing, but in all things with prayer and supplication, make a request known to God with thanksgiving. Um, and the proof, uh, the, uh, wow, I should have opened it up. <laughs> Open it up. Somebody open it. Read it, Amanda. Okay. So Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, there be any praise, think on these things. Yeah, that's... I have in my Bible written, that's the cure for anxiety, prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. And it, I think about, you know, what, where, where does your mind dwell? Where is it that your mind sits? Is it in yesterday, regrets of what you could have done or should have done? Is it tomorrow, um, what, what's going to happen? What, how is this conversation going to play out? If I say this, will they say that? Right? We do this again in our minds. Like I said before, invite the Lord into that conversation. Be anxious for nothing. And I'm glad he doesn't stop there because you're like, well, then what do I do? <laughs> but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. And I think so often when we add the element of thanksgiving, it really does put in perspective what our what we are actually anxious about with Thanksgiving. And the other scripture that I've been um, really camping out in when I think about you know those anxious thoughts and the battle that we're in, the Bible says, I think it's in Second Corinthians, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, tearing down every thought, every stronghold. Our battle is in our mind, right? Right now, we're not having to take up arms and fight. You know, there's not this outward thing, but it's in our minds. So Ephesians 6 is the armor of God. And ladies, if you haven't gone through that, 
If you haven't girded yourself up recently, go through that portion of scripture. And one thing that I didn't notice with the with the armor that I in studying it this last time I went through it was it has to you've got to have the belt of truth to hold it all together. And so often we don't dwell on truth. We dwell again on the past or the future, instead of saying, no, what is true right now, which is the end of the, the scripture that Bev said, Philippians 6, like, whatever things are true. If you're living in hypotheticals, of course you're going to be riddled with fear and you're going to be riddled with anxiety. So you have to have that belt of truth in, in order to hold on um, to what God's word says. What does God's word say about me? It's that he loves me, he knows me, he's there, he's with me. Like we've been learning in Psalm 139. I think that practically speaking, I, w I was thinking about this question and, and what came to mind is, okay, what makes me anxious, okay? Nowadays in this, where I'm at right now, uh, I would say the news, okay? I mean, let's be practical. I, it's driving us nuts. And so how do I defeat that? I, I stay away from it. I don't think on those things. I think, like the scripture says, think on things that are godly or the scriptures or whatever. I have actually had to turn off the TV because it was driving me nuts. Okay, so then that's me. Now, if you're a young person, I would venture to say your, your social media is driving you nuts, okay? Or the social media is probably... 90% of your anxiety. Uh, you're young, you don't have to pay taxes, you don't have to, pay, you know, you don't have to pay rent. So, what, you know, the things that are driving you nuts are probably social media. So fast from social media, try it. I mean, that might be what you are looking at. You're looking at a fantasy world where people are posting things that are not real. So again, like Amanda said, Focus on the truth. I am a child of God. I have parents. I have a home. I, I open the refrigerator and there's food in the refrigerator. You know, things like that. Think on things that are, uh, that are godly in your life. And, and that's what I would do. If, if I, 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 I honestly um, haven't struggled with anxiety, but I know that it's real. I've had times in my life. But so if you're there right now, maybe fast from those things that are, that are causing you to, to go off the deep end, you know, and focus on, your, on the word. I know that it's, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, read the Bible. Guys, we're giving you the solution. The Lord gives us the solution. We're the ones that don't want to do it. And again, like that scripture that I started with, the joy of the Lord, it says, do not sorrow. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Well, what the heck is the opposite of strength? It's fear and anxiety and, you know, all that stuff. If you focus on that, you're not going to have the joy of the Lord. So that's my best. Thank you. Um, speaking of practical things, um, any advice, words on how maybe someone who's more introverted can have... Uh, friendships, godly friendships. So that can be a cause maybe of anxiety too, is friendships, you know, you want to have meaningful connections with other godly ladies. Any thoughts, practical things for that? 
I, well, you shared it in, also in your teaching. First John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So I think if you're here, right, and you're investing time in a weekend, walking in light and seeing, wow, I have, you know, 70 plus other ladies also walking in the light with me, you have something in common. You have fellowship with one another. Now, wanting those things to go deeper and wanting them to, to continue to, um, to, yeah, deepen and have more meaning just means to continue walking in the light with someone saying, hey, could I, could I text you when I need some prayer? Could I reach out? Could we get a cup of coffee and I, and I hear what the Lord is sharing with you? And I understand as, as an introvert, that is a very difficult thing because there's a vulnerability, right? That person might say no. That person might say I'm busy. Um, but I think as, as Christian women, we really do need each other to walk in the light. Can't just be just just me and Jesus by myself. It's not what the Lord intended. He intended for us to come together. I was actually listening um, it, about Hebrews when it says the assembling of ourselves. It doesn't say the gathering. It says assembling, almost like I, I have kids, so I think of like a Lego set, right? That we assemble together. We need one another in order to complete the body of Christ. Um, and so I understand that that's a vulnerable place to be. Just continue doing what you're doing. Being here is, is a great first step. Don't forget, you know, you're, you're a necessary part of the body of Christ. When you're not present, when you're not making yourself vulnerable and transparent, when you're not using your gifts within the context of the body of Christ, we are missing out on something that God, you, no one else can replace you in that part you know, of the building or of the body, you know, when your pinky is, is, is injured, it, it affects every part of you. If you stub your toe, it affects every part of you, those little things. You know, if you've had anything break in your body in any way, you know, it affects the rest of you. You know, we miss you when you're not here. Even just your face, your smile, you don't have to be an extrovert, you know, to, to want to enjoy people so much you know I'm extroverted but I'm also insecure so it can seem like introvertedness so but insecurity is just paying too much attention to yourself right it's just thinking way too much about you and who you are and what you're not um, try this is what I have to do I have to do this every single time I'm going to gather with people is I go before the Lord and I'm like, Lord, I don't want to make much of me. I don't want to think about me. Help me to see other people. Help me to see them. Help me to see them the way you do. When you can take your focus out, out of yourself and upward and also outward towards others, you'll find yourself beginning to naturally connect with people. And serve. Yes. <laughs> yes. One thing that I did um, when we first went, we left a church and came to Calvary, Miami. My husband connected right away because he started doing stuff with the guys. He, we, you know, they would go to the ranch and he connected right away. I was lonely. I, I really was. I would enter the room and I knew everybody, but I didn't have. You know, I had just left a church where I had very close friends, and I was lonely. So I went to him, and I told him, look, 
you know, I'm struggling in this area. You need to pray for me, but I also want to invite a couple of people, of, of couples that are like our age, that were kind of like in the same age, you know, we had season of life common. And I told them, I, I got to do something because I do, I feel lonely. And so I took, we took a chance. We invited two, I think it was three couples that were more or less our age, and we invited them over for dinner. Barely knew them. And to be honest with you, that was like the best thing that ever happened because, you know, by taking a chance, these, they, these girls became my very good friends, and it, it was about the Lord. It was from church, and we would get together, so we tried to... Uh, do it like once a month and it just became a really great thing and little by little the Lord started building you know friendships and it takes time and and it's all in God's timing but but if you're lonely today take a chance if you have an apartment and you're a single girl invite two or three people uh, girls it, girls yeah <laughs> girls if it, yes not boys <laughs> Thank you, Alicia, for that clarification. <laughs> you can tell she did youth a long time. So yeah, just take a chance, invite them over, and you know, and the Lord will will pray about it. You know. Yeah. I have two verses. Um, and then I just wanted to pray for prodigals. I wanted to pray for friendships. We forget that when God blesses us with something, and it is, and it's a blessing, and it's a grace, and it's a gift, he still invites us to partake in the work. Like marriage is a blessing, but it's a lot of work. Kids are a blessing, boy, are they a lot of work. Um, friendships are a blessing, and I mean that with all my heart, but they are a lot of work. You know, on this side of eternity, we're called to work. And guys, on the other side of eternity, we're going to work too. Um, so don't forget that. And don't get discouraged when things take work. Be willing. Be willing to put in the work. Overcoming anxiety, depression, our feelings, it's a blessing. The Lord's going to do it. He's going to, like, strengthen you. But it takes work. So the verses that came to mind are Proverbs 16, verse 3. And it reads, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. If you are putting in work, if you are doing things, there's no room for anxiety, right? We, we talk about how often anxiety paralyzes us and keeps us from doing things. But if you're busy about God's work, if you're busy about serving and loving and doing things for others, you know, or even just, you know, cooking, crafting, doing things that can bless other people, there's not time for anxiety because you're too busy trying to figure out the instructions of that cross stitch or whatever. Um, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. And then it's another verse three, but this one is in Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26, verse three. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Lord, am I trusting you in this situation? I want to. So let me commit my works to you and you will establish my thoughts. One thing, if I could give you a very practical tip, um, whether it's anxiety, 
whether it's depression, hopelessness, whatever, like Amanda was saying, whatever that battleground looks like for you, right? Everyone's battleground looks a little bit different. Whatever fear, anxiety, depression, whatever emotion it is that we need to overcome, when the enemy starts bombarding you, oh, you're, you have no self-worth, oh, that person hates you, oh, this is terrible. Whatever, whatever the voice of the enemy sounds like in your head, stop, pick three people, have them in your back pocket, and intercede. Start praying for someone else. The, the devil wants to come at you. He wants to pick a fight. He wants to war. Take the battle right back to him. Pick three people. Pick a missionary, maybe someone that isn't saved or has walked away from the Lord, maybe someone who's going through a financial or health crisis, and they become your go-to people that you're going to go to war for, that you're going to intercede for. And when the enemy wants to come in like a flood and try to take you down to your thoughts, you pick a fight with him. Mm-hmm. And you say, not, not in my own strength, but you start praying for those other people. And it's going to lift your eyes to the Lord. It's going to remind you of how powerful he is. And then you're going to start praying for three more people and then you're going to forget you're anxious and you're going to get dinner done like it's going to be great it's going to be great so let's pray oh yes pray for the prodigals for sure you want me to pray for everything or just the prodigal okay father lord god how much we love you lord we exalt your name and we glorify your name lord better one day in your courts than a thousands elsewhere, Lord. And we're just so thankful that you brought us here. We know that, God, some of us, you had to pull us by our hair, Lord, but you got us here, Lord, and we made it, and we're so thankful. Thank you for Beth, for her message, Lord. We're so excited to hear from you through her tonight, Lord. Anoint her, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I want to pray for the prodigals right now, God. You know exactly who they are. Father, as we pray... I know that each and every one of us has someone in our hearts that we're praying for, someone that we're remembering. We see their faces right now, God. Lord, we call out to you. We beg you, Lord, for these souls because we know, Lord, that you love them and that you, Lord, you want them to come back. Lord, squeeze their hearts wherever they're at right now, God. Just squeeze them, Lord. Remind them, like Amanda said, where to be on Wednesday nights, where to be on Sundays, Lord. Father, bring them back, Lord, and in a hurry, Lord. We pray you would hurry up, Lord God, that you won't let them spend one more day out there, Lord. Father, for those that are anxious, for those that are just down and out, Lord. Father, right now, we intercede for our sisters, Lord. Those that are just God, they are at their last straw, and they came here, Lord. We pray that you would fill them, Lord, with the joy of your salvation, Lord, that they would focus on other people, that you would give them people to pray for, Lord, Mm -hmm. that you would put in their hearts, uh, uh, Lord, the desire to read your word, which we know that's the cure, Lord God. Father, give them a desire to serve you, Lord, to be about your business, Father. Lord, for them to be rudely interrupted when you want to bring them their blessing, the husband they're praying for, the job, Lord, the house, Lord, the marriage, the healing. Lord God, please hear us, Lord. We all struggle with things in our lives where none of us, Lord, are perfect. So we ask that you would just fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit 
that, Lord, you would give us much more than whatever we can ask or pray. We thank you, Lord, for loving us, for knowing us, Lord. We bless you. Go before us as we fellowship, Lord. Make new friendships, Lord. Connect us with one another, Lord. Again, Lord, bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, ladies.